This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susan Wade. Sketches of the Fair Sex in All Parts of the World by Anonymous. Chapter 3 Roman Women. Among the Romans, a grave and austere people, who, during five hundred years, were unacquainted with the elegancies and the pleasures of life, and who, in the middle of furrows and fields of battle, were employed in tillage or in the war. The manners of the women were a long time as solemn and severe as those of the men, and without the smallest mixture of corruption or of weakness. The time when the Roman women began to appear in public marks a particular era in history, the Roman women, for many ages, were respected over the whole world. Their victorious husbands revisited them with transport at their return from battle. They laid at their feet the spoils of the enemy, and endeared themselves in their eyes by the wounds which they had received for them and for the state. Those warriors often came from imposing commands upon kings, and in their own houses accounted it an honor to obey. In vain the two rigid laws made them the arbiters of life and death. More powerful than the laws, the women ruled their judges. In vain the legislature, foreseeing the wants which exist only among a corrupt people, permitted divorce. The indulgence of the polity was proscribed by the manners. Such was the influence of beauty at Rome before the licentious intercourse of the sexes had corrupted both the roman matrons do not seem to have possessed that military courage which plutarch has praised in certain greek and barbarian women they partook more of the nature of their sex or at least they departed less from its character their first quality was decency every one knows the story of cato the censor who stabbed a roman senator for kissing his own wife in the presence of his daughter to these austere manners the roman women joined an enthusiastic love of their country which discovered itself upon many great occasions on the death of brutus they all clothed themselves in mourning in the time of coriolanus they saved the city that incensed warrior who had insulted the senate and priests and who was superior even to the pride of pardoning could not resist the tears and entreaties of the women they melted his obdurate heart the senate decreed them public thanks ordered the men to give place to them upon all occasions caused an altar to be erected for them on the spot where the mother had softened her son and the wife her husband and the sex were permitted to add another ornament to their headdress the roman women saved the city a second time when besieged by brennus they gave up all their gold as its ransom for that instance of their generosity the senate granted them the honor of having funeral orations pronounced in the rostrum in common with patriots and heroes after the battle of cannae when rome had no other treasures but the virtues of her citizens the women sacrificed both their jewels and their gold a new decree rewarded their zeal valerius maximus who lived in the reign of tiberius informs us that in the second triumvirate the three assassins who governed rome thirsting after gold 
no less than blood and having already practiced every species of robbery and worn out every method of plunder resolved to tax the women they imposed a heavy contribution upon each of them the women sought an orator to defend their cause but found none nobody would reason against those who had the power of life and death the daughter of the celebrated hortensius alone appeared she revived the memory of her father's abilities and supported with intrepidity her own cause and that of her sex the ruffians blushed and revoked their orders hortensia was conducted home in triumph and had the honor of having given in one day an example of courage to men a pattern of eloquence to women and a lesson of humanity to tyrants during upwards of six hundred years the virtues had been found sufficient to please they now found it necessary to call in the accomplishments they were desirous to join admiration to esteem till they learned to exceed esteem itself for in all countries in proportion as the love of virtue diminishes we find the love of talents to increase a thousand causes concurred to produce this revolution of manners among the romans the vast inequality of ranks the enormous fortunes of individuals the ridicule affixed by the imperial court to moral ideas all contributed to hasten the period of corruption there were still however some great and virtuous characters among the roman women portia the daughter of cato and wife of brutus showed herself worthy to be associated with the first of humankind and trusted with the fate of empires after the battle of philippi she would neither survive liberty nor brutus but died with the bold intrepidity of cato the example of portia was followed by that of aria who seeing her husband hesitating and afraid to die in order to encourage him pierced her own breast and delivered to him the dagger with a smile paulinia too the wife of seneca caused her veins to be opened at the same time with her husband's but being forced to live during the few years which she survived him she bore in her countenance says tacitus the honorable testimony of her love a paleness which proved that part of her blood had sympathetically issued with the blood of her spouse to take notice of all the celebrated women of the empire would much exceed the bounds of the present undertaking but the empress julia the wife of septimius severus possessed a species of merit so very different from any of those already mentioned as to claim particular attention this lady was born in syria and a daughter of a priest of the sun it was predicted that she would rise to sovereign dignity and her character justified the prophecy julia while on the throne loved or pretended passionately to love letters either from taste from a desire to instruct herself from a love of renown or possibly from all these together she spent her life with philosophers her rank of empress would not perhaps have been sufficient to subdue those bold spirits but she joined to that the more powerful influences of wit and beauty these three kinds of empire rendered less necessary to her that which consists only in art and which attentive to their tastes and their weaknesses govern great minds by little means 
it is said she was a philosopher her philosophy however did not extend so far as to give chastity to her manners her husband who did not love her valued her understanding so much that he consulted her upon all occasions she governed in the same manner under his son julia was in short an empress and a politician occupied at the same time about literature and affairs of state while she mingled her pleasures freely with both she had courtiers for her lovers scholars for her friends and philosophers for her counsellors in the midst of a society where she reigned and was instructed julia arrived at the highest celebrity but as among all her excellencies we find not those of her sex the virtues of a woman our admiration is lost in blame in her lifetime she obtained more praise than respect and posterity while it has done justice to her talents and her accomplishments has agreed to deny her esteem laws and customs respecting the roman women the roman women as well as the grecian were under perpetual guardianship and were not at any age nor in any condition ever trusted with the management of their own fortunes every father had power of life and death over his own daughters but this power was not restricted to daughters only it extended also to sons the oppian law prohibited women from having more than half an ounce of gold employed in ornamenting their persons from wearing clothes of diverse colors and from riding in chariots either in the city or a thousand paces round it they were strictly forbid to use wine or even to have in their possession the key of any place where it was kept for either of these faults they were liable to be divorced by their husbands so careful were the romans in restraining their women from wine that they are supposed to have first introduced the custom of saluting their female relations and acquaintances on entering the house of a friend or neighbor that they might discover by their breath whether they had tasted any of that liquor this strictness however began in time to be relaxed until at last luxury becoming too strong for every law the women indulged themselves in equal liberties with the men but such was not the case in the earlier ages of rome romulus even permitted husbands to kill their wives if they found them drinking wine fabius pictor relates that the parents of a roman lady having detected her picking the lock of a chest which contained some wine shut her up and starved her to death women were liable to be divorced by their husbands almost at pleasure provided the portion was returned which they had brought along with them they were also liable to be divorced for barrenness which if it could be construed into a fault was at least the fault of nature and might sometimes be that of the husband a few sumptuary laws a subordination to the men and a total want of authority do not so much affect the sex as to be coldly and indelicately treated by their husbands such a treatment is touching them in the tenderest part such however we have reason to believe they often met with from the romans who had not learned as in modern times to blend the rigidity of the patriot and roughness of the warrior with that soft and indulging behavior so conspicuous in our modern patriots and heroes 
Husbands among the Romans not only themselves behaved roughly to their wives, but even sometimes permitted their servants and slaves to do the same. The principal eunuch of Justinian II threatened to chastise the empress, his master's wife, in the manner that children are chastised at school if she did not obey his orders. With regard to the private diversions of the Roman ladies, history is silent. Their public ones were such as were common to both sexes, as bathing, theatrical representations, horse races, shows of wild beasts, which fought against one another, and sometimes against men, whom the emperors in the plenitude of their despotic power ordered to engage them. The Romans of both sexes spent a great deal of time at the baths, which at first perhaps were interwoven with their religion, but at last were only considered as refinements in luxury. They were places of public resort, where people met with their acquaintances and friends, where public libraries were kept for such as chose to read, and where poets recited their works to such as had patience to hear. In the earlier periods of Rome, separate baths were appropriated to each sex. Luxury, by degrees getting the better of decency, the men and women at last bathed promiscuously together. Though this indecent manner of bathing was prohibited by the emperor Adrian, yet in a short time inclination overcame the prohibition, and in spite of every effort, promiscuous bathing continued until the time of Constantine, who, by the coercive force of the legislative authority, and the rewards and terrors of the Christian religion, put a final stop to it. End of section 3